You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into another edition of the Five Reasons Podcast. My name is Chris Whittingham, joined as always by Ethan Skolnick. We just happen to be in the same area, so we are in person uh, doing this podcast. You can check out all the podcasts in the Five Reasons Sports Network on Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Uh, some of us are on Spotify, working on getting, on getting all of our podcasts on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Five Reasons Sports as we continue to cover the Miami Heat season on Miami Heat Beat, Florida Panthers in full swing over on the Goldie on Ice podcast, swings and misses as Marlins spring training gets going. But right now we actually want to talk some Miami Dolphins because I've been throwing around the tanking idea in my head, Ethan. Frankly, as much as I've been a tanking advocate in other sports, I've not really seen a team, obviously Cleveland went and did it, uh, but uh, they didn't really get to see it through because they went 0-16 one season. So, there hasn't there haven't really been teams that have outwardly set to tank. All the reporting, I, I, I was on the radio with Omar Kelly yesterday, and he said executives around the league, this is what they're talking about, the Dolphins tanking, the Dolphins tanking. And I just kind of want to discuss the practical realities of tanking and how difficult uh, it's going to be. So I kind of want to hit on a, a variety of different ways that a tank can go about. But in terms of your feelings about tanking in football, how surprised are you that a team is actually – in some respects, going to embark on this strategy. Well, I think it's mostly surprising because it's so inconsistent with what Steve Ross and the Dolphins have done, right? So if I was to sort of look around the sports landscape at 120-something franchises and say which is one that would actually embrace tanking and say it out loud, the Dolphins would not be top of list on that. I mean, it's just not the way they've operated. Mm -hmm. they, have, they have effectively you know, efforted to be slightly above mediocre for a very long time. I mean, that's, I mean, essentially, when you're committing to Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback for seven years, you are saying we're not really competing to be great. We're competing to be somewhat relevant if we can put other pieces around him. And so to have a strategy now that is basically – Again, from what they've said, and they did, we talked about this when we did the press, we did the the podcast from Dolphins Camp after the press conference for introducing Brian Flores, that it wasn't explicitly said during that. But what's gotten out through certain reporters that Steve Ross, in particular, tends to use to get his message out, or others up high in the organization, is is that basically there's going to need to be a ton of patience. Now, here's the only hedge I would put on this is that, you know, to a certain degree, it's it's a buy-time tactic. Um, you know, if you don't think you have the pieces internally to be very good right now, then you basically, you know, say we're embarking upon a strategy, <laughs> and so you get the fans to buy into it, when the reality is you just haven't put a very good team together, and so you probably weren't going to be good next year anyway. I mean, let's say that they were not tanking, right, or 
whatever it is that they're calling it. I mean, what is the upside of this team next year? If you were to say keep Xavier Howard, which is something we're going to talk about, if you were to go out and get a stopgap quarterback like, let's say, Nick Foles, okay, for instance, or maybe Teddy Bridgewater, but Foles I think is the best example because he's had some legitimate success. He won a Super Bowl. If you were to do that, so what is the best you could be? Eight and eight, maybe nine and seven mm-hmm. if everything broke right. I mean, two years ago you were ten and six. Is it possible? I guess so. Or three years ago. Um, so I, I think this is, to a certain degree, I, I respect the fact that Steve Ross has reevaluated this and decided we need to go in another direction. To a certain degree, I think it's kind of a cop out because you're you're kind of you're saying, look, we can't get there. We've tried. And now we're going to do something uh, totally different when, again, the reality is if you didn't announce this strategy, it probably would have happened anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the other possibility is you bring back Ryan Tannehill and you basically have the same season that you've had for six straight seasons. But again, there's no future in that. And I'm kind of impressed in one way that Stephen Ross basically feels what Dolphins fans feel. Because I think if they bring back Tannenbaum and they bring back Gase, they go again with Ryan Tannehill, and they had the same season. We're probably doing this a year from now. So in some respects, Stephen Ross did identify, as much as we talk about owners meddling as being a generally corrosive thing, he's clearly setting the Dolphins on a track that I don't think is necessarily the wrong one. So I, I do want to give him some credit for that. But uh, let, let's talk about some of, the things, some of the decisions that they'll have to make or not make uh, in order to pull this off. Uh, for me, the first one starts with quarterback. If basically the goal is to get Tua Tungavailoa in 2020 uh, in the draft and have the number one overall pick, what do you then do for a year at that position? And is it really as disastrous as bringing in a quarterback like Luke, or you know, bringing back Luke Falk, or do you draft someone in the mid-rounds? Are we basically talking about a non-entity at quarterback or someone that maybe you're hoping could be an eventual backup for the next guy? Yeah, well, look, I think the quarterback decision is going to be the one that indicates to us really what they're doing. Right. I mean, everything else they do, and the Xavier Howard thing is a close second, but there, there is a case to be made, and I'm not going to make it because I think if you find an elite cornerback, you keep him and you pay him. But there is a case to be made that even if you were not tanking slash rebuilding, that it might make sense to try to create a market for Xavier Howard because you, you, you know, one of the things you and I have talked about about the Dolphins, I think the Heat have done this to a certain extent too, is that they have not been particularly good at sort of identifying a player's peak and maximizing the value for that player in the open market or whatever it is that you want to do with a guy. It's not really something that football teams do, though. No, but, well, no, that, I don't think that's totally true. I think if you look at what the Steelers and Patriots have done in mm. particular, um, you know, when you know, in, in a lot of cases it's just Belichick is looking at the contract a year from now and deciding he doesn't want to pay it, which, again, was Xavier Howard, kind of the same thing. But whether it's a, a Jamie Collins or, uh, you I, know. we got a first-round pick for Richard Seymour. Uh, Seymour, I mean, look at uh, who's the defensive end that, that, uh, that went Chan- to Arizona. Uh, Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones, yeah. I mean, I mean, they've done done that over and over the Steelers I mean now they're kind of doing it you know not by choice because Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell have basically flipped them off but previously Mike Wallace to Miami uh, you know Joey Porter to Miami I mean a lot of these Lawrence Timmons to Miami there seems to be a pattern here uh, <laughs> none of it none of it's worked out particularly well with the exception of one season from Porter so uh, look I think there have been forward-thinking organizations the, this the Eagles have started to do this where it's sort of a year early rather than a year late so teams do do it there is a case to be made for it, um, but but really the only the decision that is going to be the flashpoint decision get get beyond you know the dorks who you know are doing these podcasts like us or the ones who are listening to the podcast you know we love you all uh, but the person who's just the person I run into when I start traveling again right so 
it's interesting to me because we take certain things for granted because we're in this bubble. So you're doing sports radio. I did sports radio. I was in newspapers for 20 years. We have a chat with people who know basically, you know, the intricacies of the of the two major salary caps. Okay, like that's what that's the world we're in. But when I travel, when I took you know 20 lift drives in Charlotte for the All Star game this weekend, uh, you know, it, it, the, the questions that are asked, the conversation that happens is much simpler. Yes, it's much simpler. And for people who follow football, it is like they, I was from Miami. They keep in Tannehill. That, that's all they know about the Dolphins. Yeah. And, and the reality is, we assume that's just out of town people, right? But it's also the people here mm-hmm. that 75 to 85 percent of people who call themselves Dolphin fans can't name more than five players on the team. They're just Dolphin fans. They go to the games. Right. Okay. It's they actually want- it's the easiest commitment as a sports fan. It's right. why there are so many quote football fans uh, because it's uh, you sit down on your Sunday at 1 right. p.m. And then you watch the game, and then you turn it off, and then you remember to watch the game the, the following Sunday. Right. It's not like watching 82 Heat games, and you know, of which you know, 15 of them are going to be on the West Coast and everything else that you're dealing with there. Like, it's just it's a different experience. And so I, I think for, for those fans, the casuals, who are deciding whether to buy tickets to a couple of games or whether to invest you know, an occasional Sunday with people over the house watching, they just want to know who the quarterback is. So – we have to go through the layers of quarterbacks. I think you'll get an idea how deep the tank is sure. based on which quarterback. So, okay, if they go after – let's start with the veterans. If they're going to go after uh, a Nick Foles or, uh, you know, I think this is unlikely, but a Derek Carr, somebody of that ilk who's had some success in the league, okay, maybe Bridgewater a little bit lower than that. If they're going after that kind of player – then I think it's it's fair to say that at the very least they're kind of dipping a toe into the tank, but they're trying to keep some fans around. Right. They're they're also open to the possibility that this player that they bring in could surprise them. Right. And and you know they win some games and start building. Well, up for well, that. well, well. Let's look at. It. I mean, one guy that was mentioned to us on the podcast uh, by a couple people was Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Yeah. And he is he he embodies that because Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to do the same. thing. He's done the same thing with every team he's been with. Every team, Buffalo before he got the contract, the Jets. Tampa always does this hot 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 start mm-hmm. hot 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 start or at least right? like a hot three game stretch where right. it's like a thousand yards and, and 11 touchdowns, touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. okay and then he does that and then eventually the picks start to come and then eventually he's moved to the bench and so Ryan Fitzpatrick if you're trying to lose games but appear competitive Ryan Fitzpatrick is perfect. He's also a Harvard guy. He presents himself well. He's got the beard. He looks yeah. like you know. He looks like had, had, Slim had, when he when Slim grows out the beard. Had a fun time looking like Conor McGregor at a press conference. Right. He he's he's perfectly harmless. He's not going to win enough games to actually get you anywhere and screw but up your he, tank. But again, is he going to win too many games to get the number one overall pick? Well, that's why I say if they're if they're only half committed to the tank, mm-hmm. then you bring in a Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're not really does, committed at where, all, where, where does a first-round pick fit in that? Conversation? Well, well, well. Let's get to that in a second. So we got the veteran guys. Okay, now the veteran guys don't preclude you from taking a guy in the first or second round. Um, if if you're drafting, and again, I, I think this is a silly conversation at this point because the same thing just happened. We were talking about Kyler Murray. Uh, I don't know who it was with. It might have been you and me. But it might have been somebody else. But but Kyler Murray, like a few weeks ago, and it's like, well, if he, he, I don't know if he should play baseball. Maybe he should play baseball because he's probably not going to be a first-round pick. And I, 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 I've said repeatedly, quarterbacks always get overdrafted. Correct. The hype starts to come, and now we've gone not from he's going to be a second or third-round pick because he's basically, you know, he's a tiny person. Okay, but 
he may be the first overall pick of the whole draft. Yeah. Okay? And so, like, we're going to start having this conversation, and it feels to me like the Baker Mayfield conversation, which was uh, most people thought around this time a year ago that Baker Mayfield was probably going to go in the 20s. That, again, same thing. Not as small as Kyler Murray, but small for the position. Okay? Not the typical measurables. And, and in, in a system that we feel like it doesn't necessarily produce NFL quarterbacks. Right. So that was that. And then all of a sudden it is, well, can the Heat, can the, the Heat excuse me, can the Dolphins uh, get, get, the, get him at 11? Right? Like, that was the thing. And ultimately, I mean, he went first. Yeah. And, and so people, people don't remember this. People revisionist history this. But I remember I was really into uh, the 2011 draft, I want to say. And... Um, Cam Newton. It was the year that Cam Newton was drafted, right. and people don't remember that Cam Newton was not a consensus top five pick. I, I I would like read all those mock drafts, and it wasn't until they got to the national championship and won it. But like in the middle of that of that college season, people were like he's an NFL quarterback. Right. And and you're and you're right. I think as uh, teams, particularly in in the top ten, talk themselves into this. They talk the scouts into this. They talk the draft experts into this. And then all of a sudden, these guys inch further and further forward. To me, the the the, the interesting thing is when you look at like the prospect rankings. Um, I think only Haskins is like in the top twenty on CBS's rankings of overall prospects. Right. If you're just saying, you know, a player who's good at his position, that the top guys in this draft aren't really rated that highly. Um, but because they're quarterbacks, they're going to get drafted high. I don't think that of Locke, uh, Murray, and Haskins that are the top three guys, I'd be stunned if any of them went to 13. And like you said, right. if you're really committed to a tank, you're not giving up your 2020 first-round pick to move up in the draft. Correct, because, right, unless, like, unless one thing, unless you're committed to a tank but you're in love with Kyler Murray right? And it, or, or Haskins or whoever it is. And if you're but in that, love but, with but, a guy. But, you, but you're no longer tanking the moment you take Kyler Murray. Because well, if, you don't, well, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're out your first-round pick the next year, then what are you tanking for? Well, for the correct. 33rd pick? For the thirty-third pick in the second round, right? You're not tanking, but you're you're selling a re. It's it's different. It's not mm -hmm. tanking, but it's selling a rebound rebuild around mm -hmm. a charismatic, yeah. exciting figure. Which let's be honest here, okay? I mean, let's just you know cut right to it. I mean, the Dolphins have been the dullest team in the NFL for 20 years. It's not just that they've been sort of non-competitive. I would say the Bills give them fair competition. Uh, over the Bills 20 have years. had some more compelling players than the Dolphins have had. I think. I mean, I, I mean, Lashawn McCoy. I mean, there's been a few at least. Mm -hmm. I, I the Dolphins have not. I mean, the Dolphins have not had a player that anybody like from any of the national shows would come down here to bother to interview since since JT and Zach retired. I mean, who who's it been? Yeah. I mean, Brandon Marshall probably Brad, for a year or two. And he was not as good here as he was in other places. I mean, and Brandon Marshall, for all his talk, was an 11 yard a catch receiver, basically, yep. with the Dolphins. Mike Wallace didn't develop into anything. Joey Porter had one, you know, a couple years here. One was terrible, one was really good, but, and, and spouted his mouth off, but he's not known as a Dolphin. I mean, the, the guys, the most prominent guys that have been through the Dolphins lately, uh, or in the last 20 years, a lot of them are known for their play for other teams. Thurman Thomas, Joey Porter, lots of these guys. Okay, you mentioned Brandon Marshall, Mike Wallace. Carlos Dansby, like they're they're not known uh, as Dolphins. I mean, who who have the Dolphins drafted that has become not just uh, you know a a quality player but a compelling figure? 
Will Xavier Howard become that? Maybe. He doesn't seem to really have the personality for it. Rashad Jones has been their best player for a while. Nobody outside of Miami knows who the hell Rashad Jones safety, is. Safety, yeah. I mean, there's, I, uh, unless you have crazy hair, like there's a limit to how famous you can be as a safety. Right. And, and, I mean, you look at their corners, their linebackers. As we mentioned, they haven't had anybody compelling in, in forever. You know, Cameron Wake has been a really good player for a long time. I don't think that people outside of Miami really know a whole lot about Cameron Wake. He didn't come up the traditional way. The quarterback's been dull as hell for seven years. They haven't had a playmaking, game-breaking receiver that actually panned out into something. Their running backs, I mean, Jay Ajayi had what, a half a season, you know, half a season basically that he was mm-hmm. he was interesting. So I mean, you have to go back to Ricky. Like is is like Jason, Ricky, Zach, and Ricky had a national profile. Mm-hmm. But the only guys, I, I mean, I don't even know that Zach had a national profile. Jason did to a degree, right. but really, Ricky and Dan. We're going back 20-plus years, okay? Mm-hmm. And even even some of the great players that they've had, you know, during the previous era, a Sertan or a Madison, didn't translate the way that some of the corners do now. They didn't have those kind of I – mean, Sam did a little bit, but he didn't attract attention nationally. So they've just been – they've been dull. They've been faceless uh, for so long. And so I, I can see how it would be compelling to – like, Kyler Murray is a fantastic story. It's not just that he has potential to be a, a, a really good quarterback – but I mean, he's he's he would be a total anomaly at that position. He's Doug. I mean, we can talk about small quarterbacks. Drew Brees is small. Kyler Murray is tiny. Yeah. Okay. Like I mean, you know, Doug Flutie tiny, right? He's smaller than Doug Flutie was, um, and, and so and, and yet, you know, you know Heisman and everything else that he's accomplished. I, I just think I think that there's going to be a real attraction to go for that for the Dolphins. Would that be tanking? No, it would be. We're okay going three and thirteen this season because we have somebody whose jersey you're going to buy. Yeah, and the Dolphins have just not had that. You go to the stadium. We you go to the stadium every week. The jerseys are all the same as they've been for twenty five years. Yeah, ninety nine, fifty four, and thirteen. And and frankly, like, why would you invest in another? I mean, right. you might as well have uh, the jersey of a player that you know is going to be there. Especially now. I mean, are, is anyone going to line up to buy an Xavier Howard jersey when he might be traded? Like, I, right now, there are no jerseys on the team that you're buying. So I get that. But a first-round pick is still a, a significant enough investment that I, I don't I don't think that you're necessarily thinking about 2020 uh, w- w- with a first-round pick. So for me to really settle into, okay, we're going 3-13 and 13 this year. It's got to be... A, not not just a vet a, a veteran backup quarterback a journeyman player mm-hmm. like you're starting Trevor Simeon next year or the equivalent of <laughs> right or you know you're bringing back David Fails to have him start or you're you're taking someone like Clayton Thorson in the third round from Northwestern and he's your opening day starter like name name that you haven't even heard of n- until the start of the season and that's going to be your, are you talking about the casuals that just know the quarterback. It's got to be someone that those guys don't even know. Like that, it's just going to be a complete unknown. That's how you know if, if a team is for real about losing this year, isn't it? Yeah. And and but do you really think that the Dolphins would go that far when they're going to have to sell tickets to eight home games? Like they're not going to London this year to 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 get to sort of get that cheap home game. Yeah, that's the question. I mean, if it's Luke Falk starting a quarterback, I I I don't know. I mean, I, you know, we always talk a lot about you know what are your other options in South Florida. And there, there are a lot of them. Uh, none of them involve the other teams right now. Yeah. But, but I, I, I suppose that you know, if they do that, then yeah, the, the Dolphin fans are going to be sort of Ugh, okay. You know, we know what this is. Um, I mean, but I do you think I, do you think the hardcores might even get excited about that? 
They're like, uh, well, well, holy, the, cra- the, holy the, crap, we're going to do this. Yeah, but how much are the... I, see, that's the thing. I, I think, again, you and I are overestimating how many hardcores there are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I've said again, you know, since building out the Five Reasons Sports Twitter account, like, you know, I thought my max would be 10,000. There, there are 10,000... And that's just social media. But yeah. Those are the, but here's the thing: if you're really into the Dolphins and you're under 45, you're probably on. But social there's also media a lot of people who are over 45 that are, you know listen to QAM all day. Well, they do, and and so they're gonna look. Here's what they're gonna do: they're gonna say publicly, fans, yeah, we need to do this. This is great. We're gonna get the first pick of the draft. And then when when bleep starts to happen, <laughs> when when you're 0 and 5, they're gonna call. And this is something we need to touch on. They're gonna start yeah. calling Chris, Chris Greer and Brian Flores and Reggie McKenzie idiots because the team is is horrible. Um, and you know, look, I, I, some of it is setting expectations. The expectations, you know, I always go back to the 07 season with Cameron mm-hmm. because the expectation was not to be one in 15. Um, uh, they drafted Ted Ginn. It was an old team. It was an old team, but they also drafted Ted Ginn because they thought. One of the reasons they gave was that they thought that they were close to the playoffs, so they thought having a kick returner who could change field position for them. This was the, the reasoning, uh, and it was we were like, eh, but it wasn't that crazy at the time. They weren't. I mean, if you look at Saban's last two, te- you know, two teams, you know, his 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 first team finished winning by winning six straight at the end of the season was nine and seven. And then the second team was six, disappointing, six and ten. But there wasn't a feeling that the team was awful. Okay, so you went into that season thinking the team was going to be a little better, and they kind of sold John Cameron as his offensive genius. And when they weren't, then there was a lot of anger. Mm-hmm. Maybe there'll be less this time if the fans are kind of prepared for it. But it's not that much less. Okay, they will still be bitching about how did the organization not find a quarterback better to fill in this year yep. than Luke Falk or, as you say, a Trevor Simeon or whatever. Is David Fales even still on the roster? He was a gay guy. So probably, I think I think I think he still is. He's still, but he may not be there at the end of camp. But but yeah, I I think that again it's. Tanking sounds good until you go in it. Exactly right, which is which is what I've said a million times from a basketball standpoint, and uh, and I, I just wonder, you know, what happens when they start losing game after game, and in some ways, is getting the narrative out via Adam Schefter your way of preparing your fans uh, for what, what's eventually going to happen and having us talk about it right. in, in this kind of capacity. Get back to our episode. I want to introduce you to another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Berlitz Brower. This is the best place to learn a language in South Florida. I can speak to it personally. My daughter already fluent in English and Spanish. We decided to introduce her to Mandarin. She's not even five years old, and she's already out speaking Mandarin, knows all of the numbers up to 100, and she loves it. She loves to go back because the way that they work with her, the way that they teach her, and they also work with me as a parent with her schedule to make sure that it fits in with everything else she's doing. You can also learn languages as an adult. They teach many different languages there. Again, English, Spanish, Mandarin, Italian, German, right across the board. They teach virtually every language that you can possibly name. Here's the number that you call, 954-743-0077. That's 954-743-0077. Mention that Five Reasons sent you. They'll take care of you. Never too early to learn a new language. All right, so here's the next thing, right? So so we hit quarterback, and there, there are levels, right? There's the, well, we're going to try, and then there's the, oh, no, we're not trying, and, and you're, we're going to start a no-name at quarterback. My next thing is that I think bygone Dolphins eras, I, I was talking to Omar about this yesterday, and he was correct, in describing uh, Stephen Ross and uh, the ownership as cha- as playing fantasy football, mm-hmm. chasing the cotton candy in free agency. So my next question is, would a bygone era have gone after Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell? Yes. Sign them. 
And in some ways, I almost wouldn't begrudge them for it if they decided we're going to maybe we'll bring back Ryan Tannehill. Maybe we'll bring in one of these veteran quarterbacks. We'll, we'll be the one that trades for Joe Flacco. We'll bring in Joe Flacco with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Bring the AFC North from 2012 down here and try and go again and try and win games. And as much as, you know, we've got on them for Indomitian Sue, you know, being the best player at his position that you bring in, or Mike Wallace being the best at deep threats, you are bringing probably one of the five best receivers and one of the three best running backs in football right. into your team. Why wouldn't the Dolphins, why do you think Stephen Ross has said, I'm done with this? Well, yeah, I, I think the difference, like you said, this year from some of the previous stuff they've done is that is that the two guys that the Steelers will be walking away from uh, or will be walking away from them are still elite. I, I don't think there's any question if Le'Veon Bell plays next season, he's elite. I mean, people forget, but he was the, probably the best back in football. Antonio Brown, from a route-running standpoint and a playmaking standpoint, is top five in the NFL. And, and I don't think it's as much of a Roethlisberger effect as some of the other guys because Ben's not quite what he was. Mm -hmm. I think, to a certain degree, Antonio Brown has propped up Ben past couple years. I know, you know Juju Schuster you know, has been really productive for them, too. But, uh, you know, I, I, think, I think they would have gone after them. Absolutely. I think they they would have because the, you know they want to make a splash Ross is about has been about the splash um, they haven't made any splashes of any significance over the past few years uh, other than Sue which was uh, you know again knowing football it was kind of a foolhardy decision to give him that money not that he can't play but just to give a player at that position that money so I, I absolutely think they would have been in for one or both but but do you think it would have been a bad strategy no like I, I don't know well uh, look, I, I don't know yes, if I would have yes, minded it. Yes, it would have been a bad strategy because I, I, the Tannehill thing had to end. So if you uh, you couldn't now, w could you have you know again you know sort of you know put some icing on you know a, a leftover cake, okay, you know with with Brown and uh, and 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 Bell and try to make people believe in Ryan Tannehill and okay, we're gonna give Ryan a, uh, maybe maybe, but to me last year kind of killed it. I, I mean he. He wasn't healthy. I understand that. I gave him respect for for coming back and playing uh, when probably he shouldn't have been playing there at the end of the season. But he just he regressed to such a degree. I mean, you can't even make the case with Ryan Tannehill anymore that he's all he's ever going to be, which was really what the case against him was. The case now is is he even going to get back to where he was. That's a different argument. Yeah. And 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 the upside there is not great enough that it's worth it. It's different than like New Orleans signing Drew Brees after a shoulder surgery and saying, oh, can he get back to the level he was in San Diego? As it turned out, he exceeded that level By a lot. far and away. But but you at least you knew what San, that San Diego Drew Brees looked like, and San Diego Drew Brees was better than Miami Ryan Tannehill. I don't know that you could have could have done that. When you're not bringing back Tannehill and you're going with a Luke Falk or a rookie or somebody like that, then Antonio Brown serves you no purpose. Le'Veon Bell serves you no purpose. And what, what I've said, too, is, uh, the, again, get back to this. It's not just if, if you're a fan who says they're comfortable, they're comfortable embracing a tank or a rebuild or a reset or you know, prime yourself for the best top possible pick. Just as I say, you can't then sort of get upset at everything that happens minute to minute. You also can't jump at every squirrel that comes free. And I don't. And this is a test because these are two of the top thirty players in the NFL. Not just you know that they're certain they're two of the top thirty players. If you and were, you can make a reasonable argument that they'd want to be here. Antonio Brown is based in Miami. Yeah. He, he grew up down here. Le'Veon Bell. It's been reported that he that he wanted that he wouldn't mind playing here. Like it's reasonable that they could get them. And if this is, you know, maybe 2006 right. and the, the, the reasonable facsimile of those players were available, 
we'd be probably doing a radio show, maybe not a podcast, but we'd be talking about how the Dolphins should go and sign those players. So I guess my question is, why aren't we, other than accepting their logic that they're not going to? Yeah, I I think we're not because I I think, first, we've seen it not work. Um, Second, because I I don't know who the quarterback would be that would make it worth it. I I think, again, if you're talking about you could go get these two guys and also get a quarterback – and you've remade your entire offense, and you've got two guys who've played together also so that at least there'd be some alignment there, then I, th- I think if you knew you had a quarterback, I'd be fine with going after one, okay? If you knew you had a quarterback who could play with Antonio Brown, but what, are you, uh, what is the best quarterback out there, and what is, what is that quarterback worth? And, you know, again, if it's Nick Foles, is, that, is Nick Foles to Antonio Brown going to make you, mm-hmm. you know, a, a good and, enough And Nick AFC? Foles is going to cost you a lot of money. And will cost you a ton of money. And, and so is that really worth it? I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, maybe. I mean, I, you know, I, I, maybe he's – but uh, we, there's been revisionist history. I like Ted, Teddy Bridgewater personally. I like his story. He's another Miami guy. It'd be a great story. But, I mean, there's been revisionist history about Teddy's, you know, stats. Like, uh, Even were, in Minnesota, yeah. They were, they were not good. No. Like, they were not – I mean, he didn't, he didn't take chances down the field. His touchdown numbers are anemic. Um, I mean, you can make a pretty good argument that Tannehill was more effective than him. And so – You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know, Teddy coming here, other than it being at home, and sometimes we know it's not great playing at home. Uh, So... I just I, I the reason I haven't brought up I'm against it is not so much that Ross has sold us on a strategy. It's that I don't know what the Dolphins could do if they decided to push forward instead of backwards to make that worth it. Right. Um, they're not a player away. They're are not are two you bringing those two away. guys in and winning the Super Bowl? Probably not. You need okay. What was always said to me when you talk to general managers, executives, is that you basically need like eight to ten blue chip players. Okay, you need eight to ten blue chip players. So. Getting one, if we if we're gonna say that Le'Veon Bell and Antonio, how, Brown how many are do the Dolphins players, have now? I, I, well, I, well let, let's say this: Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown would be their two best players. Sure. Okay. Instantaneously. Okay. So the only, I, I mean, to be honest, blue chip player in his prime, they have one. I'm I'm willing to entertain that Tunsil is not far away. Okay, he's the closest, mm-hmm. I would say. Okay, so you have two, and and they're both at premium positions. Sure. Those are two of the four premium positions, cornerback and left tackle. Obviously, you know, quarterback and pass rusher are the others. And when you whiff on a first-rounder like Charles Harris and you stay with Ryan Tannehill for seven years, you don't have those players. But that's it. That's it. Now, go back. let's go back to the Dolphins teams that were just missing a quarterback. Again, all due respect to Jay, okay? But go back to the Dolphins teams of sort of the late 90s, early 2000s. Jason Taylor was a blue-chip player. Zach Thomas was a blue-chip player. Patrick Sertan was a blue-chip player. Sam Madison was a blue-chip player. Tim Bowens was pretty damn close yep. to a blue-chip player. 
Uh, for a couple of years, our our friend Chris Chambers was pretty. He was a Pro Bowler. That's a blue chip player. I mean, so you're talking about five. Randy McMichael was not that far off from mm-hmm. being a. They haven't had a tight end like him since. Ricky Williams was That's part of six. those teams. Ricky Williams was a blue chip player. We're at seven already. Okay, they had. They also brought in some players. Brock Marion wasn't blue chip, but he was. He was pretty damn good. Okay, so you throw, and there were times that Daryl Gardner played like one. Not all the time, but there were times that he played like one. So you're already at eight or nine blue chip players. Okay, and you had a top five defense, okay, and because really the only one I've named one we named on offense are Ricky and and for a shorter period of time Chris. If you don't, I, you, you know, and Mark Dixon I think played a couple of years like a blue chip player. This team doesn't have. I mean, it's Xavier Howard, okay. Rashad Jones is not that anymore. Uh, he was, he was. Cameron Wake was. He's not quite that sure. anymore. Tunsil, okay. So the rest of the roster. Um, can Jerome Baker be one in a couple of years? He showed some signs this year. There's some promise there. Minka Fitzpatrick, I think, is on course to be a blue chip player. But even best, best, best case scenario, we're in my house right now, so that's why you hear the last <laughs> game. Uh, but even even best, best, best case scenario, you're talking four, five. It's not enough. Yeah, it's not enough. And you, right. And you, so because uh, part of tanking is not just finding the number one overall pick at quarterback. It's building up a bevy of draft arsenal so that right. you can start to find some of those players and give yourself as many chances as possible to basically do what the Browns have done, which is, I mean, going into this year, the Browns, if you look at their roster, you could have made an argument that's a playoff caliber team. And in some respects, that bore out because the, the moment that Baker Mayfield started playing and Hugh Jackson got fired, they were a playoff team. Right. They, had, they have built up a roster, and they're going to you know, have another opportunity in this draft to continue to build up that roster uh, as, as, as sort of – that playoff step, but the, but I think you're right in saying the Dolphins are far enough away that unless they have a superstar quarterback, even with a, even with a solid quarterback, they might not have enough at roster talent, and thus signing Bell and Brown wouldn't be worth it. There's only one blue chip player in the entire market right now. There's in the, all of sports down yeah. here. There's and that's Barkov. Yeah, I, a, I think I think even he, even he at times. Could drifts. You, like he could do more, yeah. Like I mean, he's got 22 goals, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Barkov should have 35 goals at this point. Yeah, he should, he should be in the well, upper echelon score, of the – maybe not necessarily in the in the goals chart, but definitely in the points chart. Right. I mean, when he can – someone can do what he did the other night on the breakaway. Ridiculous. Okay. Ridiculous. But, but he is the only person in this town, I think, other than – and I think Howard got close this year, mm-hmm. who you're like, he's he can do something today that you haven't seen before. That doesn't. I mean, certainly the Heat don't have that guy, mm-hmm. um, and the Marlins are light yeah. years away from that person. I mean, you and I are going to go up to tape some podcasts next week uh, up at up at spring training. We're probably going to talk to Monte Harrison, who seems to be of everybody the one with the upside that says maybe he can be that. But look, you go a few years ago. I mean, Stanton was a blue chip player in his sport. Yelich just was the MVP, so he was rising to a Real blue Muto chip player. Real Muto is definitely a blue chip catcher, right? Ozuna was a blue chip player, okay, or at least for that two year period. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, the Heat have had their and, share. And, and Jose years. was too. Jose was too, okay. I mean, and right now that this market is totally, totally barren of those. And so I just you can't be thinking championship. You can't be thinking Antonio Brown. You mm-hmm. can't be thinking Le'Veon Bell. You're just thinking, okay, can we grow – can we get enough assets to grow this thing out? And, and just to take it back a little bit as far as, you know, when you go for the one player or when you don't. The biggest – I've said this before on a podcast, but I covered Jimmy Johnson's years here. And where Jimmy's Jimmy went wrong was 1998 and 1999. I, I thought Jimmy's strategy initially here was brilliant. You know, he came in and he had like 15 draft picks his first year. 
He kept trading down and trading down and trading down. Take a look at that 1996 draft. It's fascinating, okay? He kind of missed on the first-round pick, Daryl Gardner. He was right about ability, but not about his head, okay? It was a large head, but, like, it was <laughs> – but, but like, just as far as being committed all the time, and O.J. McDuffie in our network tells a great story about, you know, almost pulling a gun on Daryl because, you know, that's, that's who Daryl was. You know, so thankfully O.J. was talked out of that. Yeah. But – but look, I, I think that if you if you look at, at that 96 draft, he kept trading down, accumulating picks, accumulating picks. And so what happens? Takes a flyer on a linebacker, an undersized, you know, middle linebacker from Texas Tech in the fifth round. And defensive and, end from Akron. A defensive end from Akron. And, you know, the one guy in the Hall of Fame and one guy who should be. And so he just kept accumulating these picks. And then you look, he, he did in 97, okay, with, that was, was Jason Taylor, Derek Rogers, third round. Um, you know, he, he did very well in that draft too, okay, Sam Madison, okay, in the second round. 98, he trades up, he trades a future first rounder to get um, Sertan, but made a bunch of other mistakes in that draft. And then 99 was the year that killed him because th- there was the, it, it, there was a year, it was the Randy Moss thing, it was the year to go get that player. The foundation had been built. He he built this defense, which was every bit the equal of the defense that he had in Dallas. He needed one offensive playmaker, one, okay? Give Dan – now, Dan was not mobile at that stage. Dan was not what Dan was, okay, and everything. But give him one and give it a go for that one year. And instead, he didn't take Randy Moss. He ends up making a trade to, for John Avery, okay, and, you know, trades down – and, you know, the rest is sort of history. There is a point with every organization where you make the decision, okay, now we go for it. Atlanta, a few years ago, perfect example, right? We're training our whole damn draft to get Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. We're just we're, – we're, yeah. what, whatever it takes, okay? We have our quarterback. We've got our quarterback. Roddy White is aging. We need another guy who's going to be elite, and you go make that move. And, look, they haven't won a Super Bowl, but they got to a Super Bowl. And Los Angeles just did that, going for Cooks, going for Sue, going right. for everyone. It's like we've got Jared Goff. He's in the third year of his rookie deal. It's going to get expensive soon. Let's go, and right. let's go now. Right, but, but the Dolphins are two years away from that. Yeah. There, there is no one player who's going to change the fortunes of this franchise unless sure. it's the quarterback. And, and you're not getting that quarterback this offseason unless – you get lucky and a Kyler Murray falls to you and he is that quarterback. But there is no one else I can see this year in free agency anywhere else that would be that. And so that's why I keep saying the same thing. It's great that Steve Ross has picked a strategy. I think the strategy was chosen for him. Sure. I just I you're looking at but this I, roster I don't, I don't, and you're like, who's elite on this roster? How close are we? I don't think any I don't think Normal NFL executives would choose this under any circumstances. If you think about, you know, the Browns had to bring in, you know, Paul DePodesta from baseball and Sashi Brown from outside of football in order to really do this. Uh, you know, and, and it, it had to have come from an idea from ownership. I mean, and we have kind of seen in, in, in ensuing stories that ownership, a little bit crazy. But I, I, I do sort of wonder... Um, obviously, Stephen Ross, having decided this, you know, how, how much farther they're going to go with it. Hey, it's Seth Levitt here from the Fish Tank with my main man. O.J. McDuffie, the Juice. And Juice, we've got a special guest over the next two weeks in the tank. What's up, everybody? It's Pat Sertan, and I'm officially diving into the Fish Tank. If he was better than Peyton, yeah. he definitely wasn't better than me. Oh, there <laughs> so we that's go. What so that's I wanted to get, get yeah. <laughs> That's where we're going with it. Did you mm-hmm. and Peyton ever play against each other in high school? Absolutely. Beat him 35-7. 35-7. Wow. Get out of here. Oh, yeah, I had 
had three rushing and two passing on him, accounting for all five touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> had his hands in all of them. Yeah. Hey, Pat came so, in here saying he doesn't remember stuff, but he remembered remember all that. that. Make sure you dive into the tank to hear our entire interview with Patrick Sertan here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. You can catch up on what you've missed and hear new episodes every two weeks until July by searching The Fish Tank on Apple Music, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. Another question to ask, you mentioned the free agency decision. Uh, you mentioned the Xavier Howard and Larry Tunsil thing, and that for me is interesting because those guys help you win games. Yes. They're good players. But if you're doing a rebuild, like you said, the four things you're looking for are quarterback, left tackle, mm. pass rushing defensive end, and shut down corner. You've got two of those four things. That's why Alfredo from three yards per carry is confused about a rebuild or a tank because you have those things. Mm. And so why are you going to tear this apart when all you need to do is find those next two things in order to really fill out your team? So would you extend Xavier Howard and Larry Tunsil in the circumstance you're heading into next year with? And if not, are you trading them? But really, realistically, the hope is that you find a player that left tackle that's as good as Larry Tunsil and a player at corner that's as good as Xavier Howard. I, I would extend both. Yeah, I would extend both I, there because it's an age thing, too. I mean, you're talking about guys who are in their early to mid 20s. Like mm -hmm. uh, if you're it comes back to this. If you're not extending them, if you're not taking care of them, who are you taking care of? That's a different conversation than going out and getting Antonio Brown, who's entering what will should start to be a downslope of his career or Le'Veon Bell, who plays a position where even after taking this last year off, He's only. You look at his touch total the year before; it's madness. Well, I mean, who, I mean, he's got a Ricky Williams touch total. Like, so, so in two years, what is he going to look like? And he's also at a position that, you know, we know is is somewhat interchangeable. He's better than a lot of other guys. I'm not going to argue otherwise. He's better, but I, I just don't think that you you make that kind of commitment. And then they haven't been in your program. Mm -hmm. so, Antonio Brown's thirty. Right. So, I mean, so what are we looking at? Another two years at this mm -hmm. level? I mean, how many? I mean, there, Steve Smith, there's been some guys who've played pretty well into their mid-30s. Bolden. Yeah, but Anquan's a different kind of receiver than Antonio Brown, too. I mean, Anquan Bolden was just, I mean, he would rip the ball out of your hands on a 12-yard, you know, you know, in, you know, in cut. Like, yeah. that's, that's different than what you're expecting Antonio Brown to do, who is the best route runner in the game, has been for a long time. But is but also you know can take you deep can do a lot of other things. How is that skill set going to look in two years? I just to me you have to reward your own. There's another thing here too. If you're building your program and you're basically Laramie Tunsil and Xavier Howard get to the point where they're the two best players on your team, and the first thing you're looking to do is dump them for draft picks, that's not a great message to send yep. internally with anybody else. And so and and to, and to be in a situation where Brian Flores is trying to establish himself in a locker room and other guys are looking at him and maybe he's not making the decision because it's Greer, but he knows these buddies with Greer. Okay. And they're putting this thing together and the other guys in the locker room are looking at, at Brian Flores like, okay, so what happens? I'm going to get really good and you're going to trade me. That's a not a great, that's right. the NFL, but it's not a great place to start as an organization. And, and to me, I think that individual players can be really good, but also not impact winning to such a degree. Mm. I will say though, I'm a bit more concerned about Xavier Howard than I am about Tunsil because you can surround, you can put four bad offensive linemen next to him. The offensive line is probably going to be bad, or at the very least, you're not going to attack him. And maybe you can say the same about corner, where you're not going to attack that one corner. But I also think that if you're really dead set on getting Tua, you probably got to go two and fourteen. And could Xavier Howard but, get? But you can do that though. Xavier Howard was no, but, held no. out of games last year where he Under, probably no, could I, have I, played. No, no, I, and I think they'd probably do the same. But I, for me, it's more about you're gonna you're gonna have games that 
even as bad as you're going to be, they're going to be one-score games, mm-hmm. and there's going to be two or three plays to be made, and could Xavier Howard make those plays? Yeah, and the but, answer is yes. Yes, so, but you can't – see, that's where I think you and I differ on that. I, I don't think you can operate in fear of winning. I, I, and I yeah. understand you're committing to a tank, but, but to me, this is – look, you can commit to a tank, but if you win games – it's not like that's a terrible result anyway, because if you're building a culture, well, if you win too many, it is. Team, but if you win four, then that's not the worst thing, right? And you still, you know, look, any team can move up from five to one or two if they give up enough assets. Well, no, I disagree with that. If you're specifically targeting Tua, if you're a bad team next year, but like I it's the number one overall pick. But are, is that, that team is not giving it up under any circumstances? Right, but is this what we're doing? I see. Is this where we're at? I feel like. The Tua thing to me, like, is is it's. I know it's an interlocking conversation with the tanking and being bad, but I think there's too much emphasis on this. It's sort of like the luck thing, like, okay, like Trevor Lawrence is going to be available in a couple of years, mm-hmm. right? There's always another. Sure. Okay. There's always another, and sometimes the another is a guy you didn't expect. Aaron Rodgers was right there for the Dolphins. Yeah. Okay. Could have taken him. Yeah. Okay. Um, Drew Brees was right there for a lot of teams, like. I mean, Mahomes was there for what nine? What was he go tenth? Well, there. I mean, he's directly available at every team because the team from twenty nine traded up to go get him. Correct. So what I'm saying is this idea that it's uh, there are two different things here. There's resetting your organization, which is what I think Ross is really doing. Resetting your organization to try to be more nimble. Okay, get rid of dead weight. Not try to patch things. All right, try to build a core of young players, and and hopefully you know along the way. If you're high up up in the draft, you identify the right quarterback and you get that quarterback. That's one thing. Then there's another thing that we're basically going all in for one player. Mm-hmm. If they're trying to do that, they're probably going to fail at that anyway. Yeah. Somebody's going to be worse it's, than it's them too by hard. accident. It's too, that, for me, the point that I wanted to make in this podcast was it's too hard to be that bad. Right. Like, it's really hard in the NFL to go 2-14. and 14. So if you're going to try to – I mean, look at how incompetent the Dolphins have been over the years and how few times they've, right. quote-unquote, accomplished Right. That. I mean, we, we tagged them with mediocre. You're still winning eight times in being mediocre. Right. I mean, they've had the 1-15. They had a 4-12. and Wanstead's last season. Yeah. Cut, cut the number of wins from the mediocre Dolphins in half, and you have what you need. And that might need – to get one, that might not even be enough. But then you can't make a decision we're not going to play – you know that that we're, no, but, we're, I mean, we're going to trade Xavier Howard because he might be able to show competence. If he does, he does. Like mm-hmm. I, I just don't. If he does, and he and he and Mika Fitzpatrick are developing into an elite secondary, at least half of an elite secondary. So what's the worst? So why is that so bad? I mean, unless unless you luck into seven and nine again, which I don't think this team is going to be capable of doing. If it look. Xavier Howard can steal a game or two, but Luke Fox is going to cost you six. Okay? <laughs> I yeah, mean, probably. I, mean, no, no, if it, I, I'm no, I played ping pong against Luke Falk, and even with a broken hand, he destroyed me. So I'm not doubting his athletic ability. Well, you, should have, you were tanking at ping pong. <laughs> I, I, I lost in the quarterfinals to Kenny Stills. I just I don't think you can operate in a scared way sure. to go get one player. And, and that does drive me a little crazy about that sector of Dolphin fans, which sometimes you sort of – gravitate towards is that this idea that you can engineer the whole thing as if there are other teams that aren't trying to engineer the exact same thing I don't think there are I don't think in foot I think in basketball there are I think in basketball there's a lot of teams on this corner I don't think in football there is and I'm not saying like I'm not saying you engineer it but to me it's if you're going to do it then do it like if you're going to do it but then hold out look look Xavier Howard can pull a hamstring in week nine 
I mean, last year he came back. I was surprised because I, you know, I don't know what it was that like was an about. MCL, wasn't it? Yeah. I, well, and who knows what kind of procedure he had done. I, I just don't think uh, on on the overall. I, I don't think you can you can sort of. I don't think you can engineer it completely. It's too difficult to do that, um, and it's not about one player. I mean, look, you know, it's crazy. Like, and I I, I think two is going to be terrific. But I watched the national championship game. He wasn't the best quarterback on the field. So we're, we're talking – not for that night, okay? Maybe he will be yep. long-term. But are we talking – are we saying, like, everything is about getting to – I mean, even Andrew Luck. Even yep. Andrew Luck, who has been a, a, a good NFL quarterback, hasn't led the Colts anywhere, got hurt, mm-hmm. didn't even know if he was going to come back. Would I take him? Yes. Is he top 10? I think he's top 10. Is he top 5? No. He's not. I, Colin Coward can drool over him as much as he wants, but I'm sorry. <laughs> At this stage, Rodgers yep. is better. Breeze is still better. Brady is still better in terms of what you have Mahomes quarterback. Mahomes is now better. Russell Wilson is better. Same draft. So we're talking about you're going to engineer everything, suck for luck, suck for luck, because it, it, it was a catchy slogan, suck for, you know, tank for Tua, that we're going to engineer everything for one particular player. Russell Wilson was there for you. Nobody wanted him. He went third round. I, I don't think they can get in this trap of saying we have to be first next year or the whole thing is worthless. No, if they end up with a fifth pick in the draft, okay, maybe there's a quarterback there. Maybe there isn't. Maybe they trade that pick to someone else for a future first, so they get in the Lawrence sweepstakes. You know, after that, there's all kinds of different options for them. I, I, I think, I think we've sort of over, overplayed that. And I also think, and I do want to touch on this before we close. I also think what they've done with the rest of the front office indicates to me that they're not really full tank. Um, I, I don't know why Reggie McKenzie. And Reggie McKenzie had a checkered history with Oakland. I was we were looking at it before the podcast. 2014 draft, obviously Derek Carr, Khalil Mack. That's pretty damn good, okay. Although Mack's gone now, but McKenzie didn't have a lot of say once Gruden got there. Mm-hmm. McKenzie's track record in Green he, Bay. He drafted was good. the best defensive player in football. That's pretty damn good. Pretty good. Um, Green Bay, you know, he had some role there, but Ted Thompson had a big hand in it. There are others. Sure. Wolf's son that had a big role. Elliot Wolf had a big role, and everything was going on there, but. Uh, the rest of McKenzie's draft record, according to, I'm just reading stories from Oakland, mm-hmm. uh, they, they were not happy with him at all. There, but, there, but, there's a sense, and I was talking to Omar about this, that he's better at pro personnel than college personnel. And apparently the guy they brought in from Buffalo is the opposite. Okay. Uh, so, th- and that he's more the college guy. Well, and I like, this, I like the experience. I mean, I, I had mentioned Reggie McKenzie as a possible GM candidate before they gave it to Greer. But it does, I, I just, it's hard for me to believe that Chris Greer is sitting in a meeting with Reggie McKenzie who has worked for a championship-level organization in Green Bay, who has run his own show in Oakland. Who just hired a bunch of people from New England. Right. And, and you're saying to Reggie McKenzie, okay, or you know, the guy you brought in from Buffalo or anybody else, we're, we're, we're going to try to get to a next year, and that's all that's on the agenda. That's it. We're going to be as bad as we can. You're basically telling people to come in here and find the worst possible quarterback you can. That's not happening. That's not happening. They're basically – the whole idea is to accumulate as many young assets as they possibly can uh, so that they can so you think So around. you think this is actually more of a rebuild than like yes. – Because I, I think like the, the, the Philly way is like radiation, right? Where you're, you're talking just, about you're, the Sixers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. the, the, the Philadelphia 76ers way is that like – it's chemotherapy is right. what it is. So you don't think they're going that far? You don't think that the, the, the Dolphins are going through chemotherapy right now? I, I, they're going I, through, you know, treatment. A treatment, right. I, I don't think that Steve Ross can uh, stomach chemotherapy. 
And we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think that he can stomach what that stadium is going to look like if they throw out the worst possible players they can every week. If they're bad by accident, okay, which is probably going to be the case, you know, it is what it is. But if there's a sense that he's trying to lose, because you know how fans who are, again, the fans who are not that sort of tugged into this, they don't know about the whole idea of getting up to get this pick or that pick. They're just going to think he's cheap. Right. Which he's not. Which he's not, yeah. That, like, like, of all the complaints about him, you know, the, the, the one complaint that has never made any sense is that he won't spend money. He will spend money. But if they're throwing out their guys who, you know, are, are not, you know, are, should not even be backup quarterbacks in the league and they're starting for this team, it's just going to be perceived that he's cheap. And that's going to happen anyway. During free agency, all these guys are going to go. Dolphins aren't doing anything. I mean, look, I mean, Heat fans. Heat fans are educated about the cap, right? Because they had to live it. They learned it. Okay, the LeBron thing and all that. Most Heat fans, but not all Heat fans. But even so, after the trade deadline, you know, the Heat didn't do anything. The Heat didn't do anything. Because, because it, once it actually happens, it's different. Well, Mickey than, Harrison was actually being cheap. Well, he was, <laughs> although in this case, I understand It's why. justifiable cheapness, but it's still cheapness. Well, right. But, but basically sitting, pretending you're going for the playoffs and sitting Kelly Olenek to save his minutes. We, we all agreed on this. I don't want to deviate too much into heat, but Nakaya, so you should check out our heat pod, which is actually very, still very relevant before the heat start the second half. But Nakaius and uh, Duncan and, and Greg Sylvander and I did a pod this week, the five things we'd like to see from the heat. And one of them was Kelly, if you're actually trying to make the playoffs, Kelly Olenek should be playing. And he wasn't playing. And I think what happened was they held him out long enough that they sort of calculated his number and are like, okay, now we can make him a starter because if he plays 25 minutes a night, it's not, he's not going to kick in that incentive, mm-hmm. okay, that, uh, that forces us to pay him more and go over the tax. Uh, that's cheap, okay? Understandable again, but cheap. Ross has not been cheap. And so, but it is going to be perceived that way when you're playing quarterbacks who are making, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know backup safety money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, if you're going to have, you know, uh, Matt Ryan making what he's making, okay, and all, the, and and then you're in, or you know, Garoppolo making that kind of money, and you're going to have a guy making a million dollars to play quarterback for you. I mean, they, look, Jay Cutler was a ten million dollar project a couple yeah. of years ago. I just think Josh that, McCown was ten million dollars last year. For the I, Jets. And I don't think the Dolphins' quarterbacks going to be making that much. No. So, so it is going to be perceived as cheap, even if it's smart. And what I would have liked, what I would like to see them do is take a couple quarterbacks late in the draft. If, if this is the direction you're going, that you've decided you're not going to go get a Foles, you're not going to go get a, a Carr, even a Bridgewater, take a couple quarterbacks late in the draft. See if there's Russell Wilson out there. Let them compete. Right. Yeah. And we've seen this before. There's a lot of examples of this. You mentioned Trevor Sivian before, and, and it's a bit of a punchline. But the reality is Trevor Simeon was like the terrible. But he was also the second quarterback the Broncos drafted that year. They drafted mm-hmm. Paxton Lins the same year, yeah. higher. Simeon beat him out. You go he back. Started opening night. Yeah, there's a good example of this. Washington, uh, several years ago. Now Heath Schuler is a congressman, but or I think he's still in politics. But Heath Schuler was a first round pick, was a premium draft pick. They, they took a flyer on Gus Farratt in the seventh round. Gus Farratt beat out Heath Schuler was never an elite NFL quarterback had a pretty good year here with Miami but he was a competent 
NFL quarterback who had a decent career. You can find those guys in the fifth through seventh round. The Dolphins have never, with exception, yeah. of, what was the one guy that just went through here? Oh, Dowdy. Yeah. They, they've never really done that. Yeah. So if you're, but, I mean, if, think about like what the the Patriots got for Jacoby Brissett, who was a sixth round pick. Well, the Dolphins are in play for potentially. There's some reports for Jacoby Brissett. So why not take a flyer on a guy with high upside somewhere between five? Now maybe Luke Falk's that guy. He was. Yeah. He. I mean, the Titans didn't think so, but maybe Luke Falk's that guy. If you're going to go that way, bring in two other guys like that, Mm -hmm. all right? I don't want to hear about, well, we couldn't take the special teams linebacker in the sixth round. Take the special teams linebacker as an undrafted free agent, okay? Stop investing draft picks in positions that don't mean anything. Or positions that are, yeah, that have very little significance or added value. Like, take big swings in the draft. Well, you know what's going to happen now? All these teams are going to take traditional fullbacks because the Patriots, you know, ran that eye stuff, okay, and everything else with a traditional, you know, your traditional, you know, 250-pound roided-up white fullback. (laughs) All that is old is new again. Right. So so you're going to see them do that. But where in college football are their fullbacks? (laughs) I have no idea. I have no idea. There might be, like, offensive tackles at, like, D3 schools that That, aren't big enough. that's that's basically what you would go for, but but what? But I don't want to see the Dolphins burn draft picks on positions that don't matter. Yeah, I would rather swings, man. I would rather have them take a quarterback who grades at say a sixty-two out of a hundred than to take a linebacker who grades at seventy-two on special teams. You have to value in the NFL is equated to position. Yeah, and that is the, and you we mentioned them again and again: quarterback, left tackle, defensive end. And corner. And, and corner. Okay? Those are the four positions. You have two of the four. Take as many swings as you can at quarterback and defensive end. Just keep taking swings, okay? And and once you have that, then the rest of the team will fill in, all right? The rest of the team will fill in. But you don't need to keep uh, sort of going out that way. So uh, if they take two quarterbacks in the draft, let them compete. You know what? That would give the fans – the fans would watch that. Right. At training camp. It would make preseason games interesting. Right. Who, who's better? Right. Preseason games would probably be more interesting than the games. Right, exactly, that, yeah. That, that third preseason game. So, Or even if they go into the year just playing dual quarterbacks. Or we're, we're like just, we're Spurrier just, style? Yeah, we're just going to swap them in and out. Yeah, what, if, what if one of them is just like a crazy running quarterback and he's like a wildcat guy? Like, if you're going to lose, you might as well make it fun. All right. Nothing could be less interesting than Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> That's, that is for damn sure. All right, so uh, that is our prescription for uh, Dolphins tanking and how it is going to look like. I think this is a fascinating conversation. Obviously, we'll continue to have as we move towards the draft. Coming up later in the week, we'll hear from Michael Lee of The Athletic on the NBA. As you mentioned, check out our podcast from earlier this week on the Miami Heat with Nikaias Duncan and Leif from Miami Heat Beat. Thanks for subscribing to the podcast, and thanks for listening. for listening to the Fire Ringer Podcast. Thank you so much. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.